At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. One of the student survivors at Michigan State was a student survivor of Sandy Hook. And at least three of the student survivors of Michigan State were student survivors at Michigan Oxford High School 15 months earlier. And we can say with all too much certainty that some of them will also become survivors of Toledo 2029, Dallas 2033, your city 2035, my city 2037, because mass gun murders are profit centers. Why does this supposedly sophisticated nation abide the ritual sacrifice of our children and our brothers and sisters and parents to the Moloch of insane gun owners like Lauren Boebert or Thomas Massey or whoever the ones who get some kind of sexual gratification from owning and displaying and stroking and firing weapons because it makes other people millions of dollars. That's why we are owned by guns. And so we go on calculating the averages and deciding if by age five it is already too late to teach kids how to play dead in their classrooms And we go on listening to fascist asshole madmen like Ron DeSantis talk about fortifying schools and fortifying movie theaters and fortifying churches. And we go on listening to messianic buttonheads like Eric Adams talk about giving more guns to more police when police often turn out either to be the murderers or the cowards who idle in the hallways as the children of Uvalde are executed one by one. And we go on listening to the fatuous idiots like the Missouri House 
where the police said we need laws to stop 14-year-olds from walking down the streets of St. Louis carrying AR-15s, and the House voted 104 to 39 to keep open carry legal in Missouri for kids. And we go on listening to amoral monsters like Donald Trump talk about arming teachers and bringing back firing squads. And we listen to these paid scum Republicans bribed by the gun manufacturers and the gun organizations recite what they have been paid to say about responsible gun owners. When, after half a million gun deaths in this country in the last 10 or 12 years, it is no longer in doubt there are no longer any responsible gun owners. On this nightmare so familiar, so routine, and so constant that we no longer remember the details, or the location, or the motive, or the sequence of them. And now we are no longer even remembering that there was a nightmare last night, or the night before. And we're now marbling them into other things in American life as if they were snowstorms or flight delays. And a hockey podcaster begins by saying, well, it's tough to do this after the Michigan State news, but let's talk about the Carolina Hurricanes' needs at the deadline. And the New York Times can run a sidebar that the shooting, well, it upended the lives of thousands but it also put the school back in an uncomfortable spotlight, what with the sexual assault scandal there. We go on in an unacceptable world in which we are owned by guns. We go on, to borrow from Churchill, in strange paradox, decided only to be undecided, resolved to be irresolute, adamant for drift, solid for fluidity, all-powerful, to be impotent. The dead of Michigan State, the dead of Las Vegas, the dead at the Pulse, the dead at... Well, why do we bother with individual place names anymore? The dead of the killing field... The dead of the transcendent national shooting range that is the United States of America. They are dead because somebody is making money off them. And because Ted Cruz is making money off them. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is making money off them. And every whore politician is making money off them and rarely even bothering anymore to wash the money through CPAC or Save America This or Shoot America That. The donations come straight and unhidden, and whether it's Trump or DeSantis or poor, soon-to-be-very-very-surprised Nikki Haley or just some other idiot free from morality or conscience whom the moneyed interests select. It is fair to say that the Republican nominee for president in 2024, whoever that is, will be underwritten by the gun manufacturers and the gun lobby and their masters, the death lobby, who pay good money to bad people to maintain not just our culture of guns and shooting and dead children and thoughts and prayers, but also maintain the world's culture of continuing to poison the atmosphere and kill off the species one by one because the $1,963 million in profit made last year by big oil just isn't enough because they stay up at night anguished by the thought that there remains 
remains somewhere one dollar, not yet stolen from a child dying next to the earthquake rubble in Syria or Turkey. One dollar yet to be pocketed by Darren Woods, the CEO of ExxonMobil, the way God intended it. It is economics, and thus the only solution can also be economics. Because we will not defeat them in the states that are already lost to the control of the death lobby. And even if President Biden said tomorrow, we are not owned by guns, and I don't give a damn if I'm reelected or even renominated. I'm going to issue 450 executive orders and take every damn gun I can get off the streets. And if the House and Senate won't reinstate the assault weapons ban, I will do so unilaterally and come and get me in the courts. Even if Biden did that, we, the anti-death people, we would lose in the Supreme Court. Because Clarence Thomas, the whore, is on the Supreme Court because of and bought and paid for by the death lobby. And Samuel Alito, the whore, is. And John Roberts, the whore, is. And Neil Gorsuch and drunken Brett Kavanaugh and Bible paralegal Amy Coney Barrett. And so we must ask ourselves, what economically can we do to the gun lobby? to the oil lobby, to the death lobby, and to their minions in the Senate and the House, in all the Senates and all the Houses, in all the states in America. And in this country, there are only a couple of measures that might possibly work and might possibly work fast enough so that enough of us won't be killed in next year's 300 gun massacres or the next decade's 300 climate crises. And that one thing is, to spare you the kind words, the soft words, that one thing is economic civil war. It can start simply, buy nothing from Texas. Do not go to Florida. Do not patronize Missouri. We can start there, and then we can get serious. It is a simple mathematical fact that with some exceptions and a little more nuance than time permits me here, it is a simple mathematical fact that the blue states of this country keep the red states of this country from going bankrupt. It is a simple mathematical fact that the blue states pay in more to the federal government than they ever get back in services or infrastructure or certainly in per capita representation. New York pays a net $24 billion a year. California pays in a net $14 billion, and most of that goes to keeping Florida and Texas from starving. Florida gets $36 billion a year, more than it pays in. Texas, nearly that much. It is state-to-state -state socialism. And we all know that we can't have socialism. And it is a simple fact that the blue states restrict and regulate guns and the red states sell guns and sell guns and sell guns and profit off dead children. And when the political whores like Ted Cruz and Tucker Carlson and Rupert Murdoch point to the gun carnage of Chicago, 
They are actually pointing to the gun carnage of weapons smuggled in from Indiana to Chicago. And it is also a simple fact that we can dance around for decades yet to come about how to stop the gun massacres of February 2047 and the chemical disasters of June 2061. So bad, they reminded old timers of, where was that, East Palestine, Ohio? Or we can cut to the chase and put it this way. If the red states do not agree to strict and enforced gun regulation and the removal and the outlawing of gun manufacture and a revision of the Second Amendment so that the vagueness that isn't actually there but that the death lobby has spent a century convincing millions is there, that all doubt about the Second Amendment be erased and replaced by the simple statement that private gun ownership is illegal without a series of licenses and mental health tests, and that the owner is liable for whatever is done with his gun, and if that includes murder, then the owner is liable for life imprisonment, whether he fired the gun or not. If the red states do not agree to that, and by the way, to reapportioned representation in the House and the Senate, so that Idaho does not have as many senators as a real state, and not a welfare state like Idaho, And if they do not agree to the resignations of Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Alito, Barrett, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Thomas, if the red states do not agree to that, then the blue states will simply stop paying money into the federal government. And the blue states will simply spend that money directly on their own citizens. And if the leaders of our blue states will not comply with this, then the only solution we have since the murders at Michigan State Monday night and the murders at your town name here next week are profit streams for many people. The only solution we have is to then stop paying our federal taxes until our state leaders recognize that the only way out of this nightmare is to threaten the red states and thus threaten the gun lobby and thus threaten the oil lobby and thus threaten the death lobby with economic strangulation. Economic civil war to save the country, to save the next 600,000 Americans who will die by gun violence, almost certainly by the year 2035, if it does not get worse before then. 600,000, the same number who were killed in the actual civil war. And if you ask yourself or you are asked by what right we could threaten economic civil war, just say this is constitutional under the Second Amendment. Quote, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Our rights to the security of a free state have been infringed upon by the gun lobby and the death lobby, which has convinced generations of gun fetishists that an amendment that does not contain the word own nor any synonym for own does contain it. The Constitution is a property document. It mentions rights only 15 times. It mentions voting only 37 times. This is out of nearly 8,000 words, but it mentions money and ownership 103 times. The Second Amendment is about making sure nothing interferes with a well-regulated militia 
uh, well-regulated militia that is there protecting our rights as citizens to have, as it says in the Second Amendment, the security of a free state. Our Second Amendment rights have been trampled on by Donald Trump and the Republicans, the anti-Second Amendment Republicans. We need to start enforcing the Second Amendment. We need an economic civil war against the gun lobby and the death lobby and those corrupted and financially insolvent red states that stand in the way of peace and security in this country because we are owned by guns. But God damn it, we are not going to be owned by guns any longer. Still ahead, Dianne Feinstein is out of the California Senate race so we can all exhale and throw her a party. Elon Musk makes a fool of himself on Twitter. Again. And yes, it actually happened. A former boss of mine, a president of MSNBC, really did do it. He really did chase me around the studios one night and threatened to kill me. And they made him apologize for that. Things I promise not to tell coming up. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. 
Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, another shoe has dropped from the special counsel's office. Jack Smith's staff has asked a judge to erase the attorney-client privilege of the Trump lawyer, Evan Corcoran. This is about that June document that Corcoran wrote and the other attorney, Christina Bob, signed. The one that said that Trump was voluntarily turning over every classified document he'd taken and stashed at Merrill. Obviously, Smith wants to know whether Trump ordered Corcoran to write that and knew it wasn't true when he did. And to get that, they need Corcoran to be at risk of an obstruction of justice charge if it somehow was not Trump's idea. Going to make a wild guess on whose idea this was. Dateline San Francisco, Senator Dianne Feinstein has relieved California Democrats of the odium of throwing her off the cart. 89 years old and in the Senate since 1992, she had widely been abandoned by her party with retired Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying she would be endorsing Congressman Adam Schiff for the nomination, presuming Feinstein retired. Well, now she has retired. Katie Porter is already also running. Barbara Lee is a probable. Feinstein has taken a lot of justifiable crap lately, but she has been an extraordinary public servant who survived two terrorist assassination attempts, was president of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, and kept the city together as acting mayor when George Moscone and Harvey Milk were murdered in 1978. She was then elected to the mayor's post shortly thereafter and served 10 years on that job. Dateline South Carolina, after sucking up to Trump for seven years and saying she would never run for the Republican nomination if he did... Nikki Haley is running for the Republican nomination. I would never root for Trump for anything, but his reaction to this over the next few weeks is going to be hilarious. And Dateline Central Park, New York, Flacco the Eagle Owl was now spotted near Bethesda Fountain in Central Park. That's about 10 blocks north of his former home in the zoo. He also briefly went out onto East 72nd Street. Flacco has been free for one day shy of two weeks now. He's obviously surviving very well on his own. He seems to really like going around the park, and he is feeding himself on rats, as we true New Yorkers do. In fact, he is so voracious. Flacco has actually reduced the rat population... And, in fact, that makes him a front-runner for New Yorker of the Year Award. Nancy Faust. Time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Elon Musk. He has tweeted the world's only century-old meme, the one that tries to connect Stonehenge, Easter Island, and the Washington Monument by drawing a stone man inside the earth whose head is at one end at Easter Island and then his toes are at the exact opposite point of the earth in Stonehenge and well 
in Washington, that would be his monument as the Washington Monument. There are no coincidences, Musk wrote sagely, except the exact opposite point on the Earth to Stonehenge is not anywhere near Easter Island. It's 3,879 miles east-northeast of Easter Island. Nice meme, Elmo. The runner-up, well, this is a coincidence. The runner-up is Elon Musk. You may have seen this earlier, but it was new to me. At 6.58 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night, not long after the Super Bowl started, Musk tweeted, quote, go Eagles. And since sports ball is obviously a mystery to him, he put three American flags in front of go Eagles and then another three after it. And then after the game, which the Eagles lost, he deleted the tweet. And he also deleted a tweet congratulating the victorious KC Chiefs and halftime performer Rihanna. But our winner is, oh, look at this, it's Elon Musk again. Well, now we know why he deleted the Go Eagles tweet and why his nitwitted conspiracy theory tweets keep showing up on your feed, in some cases five or ten of them in a row. I'll just read from the website platformer, quote, at 2.36 on Monday morning, James Musk sent an urgent message to Twitter engineers. Quote, we are debugging an issue with engagement across the platform, wrote James Musk, a cousin of the Twitter CEO, quoting, any people who can make dashboards and write software, please can you help solve this problem? This is high urgency. If you're willing to help out, please thumbs up this post. What do you think the high urgency problem was? Yes, Musk's Eagles tweet generated 9.1 million impressions, and that made him furious because another tweet about the Eagles generated nearly 29 million impressions, the tweet by President Biden. Back to the platformer account, quote, Twitter's CEO flew his private jet back to the Bay Area on Sunday night to demand answers from his team. Within a day, the consequences of that meeting would reverberate around the world as Twitter users opened the app to find that Musk's posts overwhelmed their ranked timeline. This was no accident, platformer can confirm. After Musk threatened to fire his remaining engineers, they built a system designed to ensure that Musk and Musk alone benefits from previously unheard of promotion of his tweets to the entire user base, unquote. All right, look, everybody likes their tweets to be read and retweeted. And some scientists said seeing the like and retweet counts grow, creates the same effect in the brain as eating chocolate. But we have to address the possibility here that Elon Musk's brain is chocolate. What is wrong with this dude? Fixing the algorithm so that you always win? Trump doesn't even do that in his little Nazi social media site. I mean, can't somebody who cares about Elon Musk, you know, get him committed somewhere? Oh, right. This assumes somebody actually does care about him. Elon, my dear. You should never assume. You see, when you assume, you make an ass of you and me, Musk. Today's first Musk in the world! 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Still ahead on Countdown, many of my bosses have thought about trying to kill me. One and one alone has actually tried it. The Saga of Rick Kaplan, coming up. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. Two New York and two sisters, Joy and Easy. They are Rottweilers, but they are socialized, mellow, shy, affectionate, good with dogs and cats and kids and strangers. And their human was evicted and took them both to the kill pound. And Joy is on the kill list tomorrow at the New York pound because she caught pneumonia in the pound and is on a feeding tube. The law of self-fulfilling prophecies again. They're scared, they get sick, they get killed because they're scared and they're sick. We're trying to get Joy and Easy adopted together, so what we can do is pledge donations to defray the costs of a rescue saving them. You can find Joy and Easy on my Twitter feeds, I thank you, and joy and easy thank you. Finally, our number one story in the countdown, things I promised not to tell, and back to my favorite topic, me. How exactly was I supposed to tell the police that the man threatening to kill me was the president of MSNBC. 
He was chasing me through the studios. He was too overweight to run. But even though he inexplicably lied and said he was six foot seven, at six foot five, this guy, his name was Rick Kaplan, and he was the soon-to-be ex-president of MSNBC, just as he was already the ex-president of CNN, he still had strides as long as my own. Plus, on that night of August 8th, 2005, I was multitasking. I was trying to mentally record everything he was shouting while also drawing him away from the live microphones of the live studio in which he had started shouting while also fishing for my office key so I could lock myself in there if need be, while also figuring out how I would hit him if it came to that, while also trying to register the superb double takes from my colleagues past whom he was stomping like an out-of-shape Frankenstein, while also trying to suppress an overwhelming and seemingly inappropriate desire to burst into laughter while still game-planning the soon-to-be-inevitable call to the cops of beautiful downtown Secaucus, New Jersey. Uh, hi, yeah, yeah, he's, he's trying to kill me, my, my boss, the, the president of MSNBC. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the cable television network. Yeah, yeah, exact, down the street from the London Fog Outlet store, yep. Yeah. One MSNBC Plaza. I know it's a dumb address. Uh, he's about 60, uh, 275, 280 pounds. By the way, he says he's six foot seven, but he's only six foot five. Why? Why does he lie about his height or why is he trying to kill? Uh, right. Well, I did a commentary urging the viewers to stop smoking and he's afraid of the mention of blood. Hello? Hello? As all of this played out in my head, President Kaplan was huffing and puffing his way through our giant studio, weaving through the news assignment area, past the makeup room, down the hallways nearing the offices of my show Countdown, and past the bank of a couple of hundred television monitors with a different face on every one of them, each seemingly staring slack-jawed at the executive screaming threats at the only guy on his own network who got any ratings. I'll pay you back. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll finish you. I'll kill you. This had all begun roughly 10 days earlier, in late July 2005. An oral surgeon who had intended to examine a growth on the roof of my mouth had instead, with one pale look, silently betrayed his suspicion that it was cancerous, and he cut the whole thing out. I was on my way to work anyway, it was too late to get a replacement, and I was bleeding so much that our technical director and I decided to pre-record all of my on-camera segments for that night's show, thus reducing the chances of viewers hearing me say, President Bush today, while blood oozed out of my mouth, over my teeth and lips, and onto the desk, like I was Draculanker. When... The following Wednesday, I got the unexpected all clear from the surgeon's office. I decided to devote some of each night's newscast to a campaign to help viewers and myself quit smoking. My premise was a simple one that I had never heard argued before and have rarely heard argued since, that it would be a lot easier to quit if you didn't have cancer than if you did have cancer. I pitched my producers on the series. I went into Rick Kaplan's office to get his seal of approval. He was enthusiastic and supportive, and most rare of all, he was paying attention. 
And then I said I was also going to point out that if you got the good outcome like I had, they would merely stick a laser in your mouth and you'd smell your own flesh burning for like 48 hours and you'd have to keep spitting out your own blood. Don't say that! He suddenly threw his meaty hands out towards me in a strangling gesture and then just as quickly clamped them over his own ears and closed his eyes and began actually screaming, No, 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 no. I thought he had gone crazy. As it proved, he was just practicing for going crazy later. I'm sorry, I'm squeamish. I get the point. I, I just can't handle references to, you know, uh, the, the red stuff. Go ahead with the series. Just, just tone down the, uh, the red stuff. I toned down the red stuff, and my executive producer, Izzy Povich, sent him the scripts, and he told her to tone down the red stuff a little more, and I went and I did that too. We all decided to start the anti-smoking series the following Monday, August 8th, 2005, by nauseating coincidence, that was the day after the ABC anchorman Peter Jennings had died of lung cancer. The MSNBC president had been a producer on Jennings' newscast. I had long since written and recorded Jennings' obituary, and now the somewhat cold but still journalistically valid segue would have to be made. We would have to go directly from the 12-minute-long Jennings obit to the start of our anti-tobacco campaign. Eight or nine minutes into that pre-recorded Jennings obituary, Rick Kaplan came out of his office and walked the 50 feet or so through the vast open newsroom to where my anchor desk was. His eyes were full of tears. This is wonderful, he said quietly. Peter would have liked this. He gave me a thumbs up. Then he walked to a second desk another 50 feet away where his first big hire, a woman named Rita Cosby, was about to premiere his first big gamble, her new show, immediately following mine. I was actually moved by Rick Kaplan's comment. I did not once think of phoning the Secaucus police. But then I began the anti-smoking segment, and as I focused on the camera and the teleprompter in front of me and detailed the blood and the gore and the spitting and how that was the good outcome, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this weird sight. The president again left his office and waddled out along the wall 30 feet ahead of me in the general direction of the control rooms. Within moments, as I continued to read my script, he was back in the studio and standing right next to my camera, gesticulating wildly. I said, they never say it, but wouldn't it be really easier to quit smoking when you didn't have cancer than when you did? And Kaplan responded with the same two-handed choking gesture he had made briefly in his office much earlier. I presumed there was some simple problem, like that the building was on fire, but I calculated that I could still make it to the show's scheduled finish time, 8.59.59 EDT, and still survive even if others perished. That's countdown for this, the 830th day since the declaration of mission accomplished in Iraq. I'm Keith Olbermann. Good night and good luck. You son of a... Rick Kaplan suddenly screamed. From the other anchor desk, I could hear, and this is my impression of her, Good evening, I'm Rita Cosby. This is Rita Cosby, live and direct with Rita Cosby. And I'm Rita Cosby. She was not a big woman, but she had a voice on her like the horn on the Staten Island Ferry, if it had a cold. You are over the top! You are disgusting! My first thought was that Kaplan had forgotten that microphones 50 feet away were live during the premiere of his pet project. Shh, Rita is on. I actually whispered to him, silly me. I don't give a half if Rita is on. 
You were told by Izzy Povich that the piece was over the top and you needed to cut it, and you didn't. I still couldn't bring myself to yell back we're in a live studio. I did cut it. And Izzy read it and approved it, and she said you had too. And, and, and Rita's premiere is going on over there in that sort of direction. Maybe you should yell at me closer to the assignment desk, maybe? I don't give a crap. If Izzy approved it, then she's an ass. And I can't trust her. I can't trust you. You're all idiots. I can't believe you did this to me. I'm trying to get Rita's show off the ground, and you start talking about spitting blood into a garbage can. Well, now I was getting angry. I couldn't resist. Yes, Rita is, in fact, live and direct from that desk right over there. And if you'll notice, she keeps looking over here at us, wondering why you are yelling during the first minutes of her first show. So why don't we move over here, Rick? I began to move away from him. And we're walking away from the live mics. And, and we're walking. And we're walking. And Rick and Keith are walking because the noise isn't really professional. Well, we're not talking professionals, are we? We're talking idiots. We were walking, and he was still screaming. You're idiots! I will never trust you again! He had begun to trot, or stumble, or whatever he was doing. This is not over! I will pay you back, self-serving garbage! I will get you, and I'll get that a-hole Izzy for not staying here and reading that script! How many times did you intend to say spit blood into a garbage can before I stopped you? I now realized what he thought had happened, as he had gestured spasmodically at me while he stood next to my camera. I briefly let my focus shift to amazement at the fact that this guy who had been in TV news for 25 years knew almost nothing about how TV worked. I explained to him that Izzy and one of her assistants and I had gone over the script several times and taken out half of the gorier references. Then they suck at television! And since I can't trust anybody here, since they won't stand up to you and edit the script since you obviously bullied them... He balled up his fist and stomped his foot on the floor as he called me a bully. I'm now going to have to approve every piece of your copy! By this point, I was backing into the countdown work area with its array of desks and all the producers Kaplan had just insulted. I knew one of them would dial the phone when I said, Call the cops and call this lunatic's boss. Did you hear me? And if you don't like it and you don't want to come into work tomorrow, that's fine too. I never did get that part. But now I had him. I crossed my arms in front of my chest slowly, like you have seen every news anchor do in every television news promo ever shown in the history of the world, I flashed as evil a slow-mo smile as I could. Oh, I'll be here tomorrow. And then I made a sweeping gesture back towards my staff, who were both, of course, literally and figuratively behind me. And so will all of them. Suddenly, at that point, for no apparent reason, Rick Kaplan's hysterics were replaced by mere confusion. He even stopped huffing. At almost normal volume, he asked me, All of who? Only at this point did I turn around to discover that my entire staff had already left the building. There was nobody there behind me. Of course there was nobody there, Izzy Povich told me later. He went into the control room and threatened all of them first. So we got on the phone back to the office to tell everybody to get the hell out of the building. She paused and laughed. I mean, we love you, but we're not crazy. Rick Kaplan's exorcism was a brief one. He began screaming again. I'm going to end your career tomorrow. I'm going to completely F you up. He turned and stumbled away from my office. Good luck sleeping tonight. 
I slept like a stone. Not because Kaplan had previously threatened to fire me for not leaving my father's bedside after what they thought was a heart attack to fly to L.A. to appear on The Tonight Show, and not because he'd once threatened to fire me because he didn't like my tie, and not because he had previously threatened to fire me for not doing something during live coverage that I had already done, but he thought we hadn't done because he was watching us not live, but on delay on his DVR, president of a network, and I slept beautifully, not because I correctly guessed this would be it for Rick Kaplan, and it was. The next day, human resources forced him to apologize to me, and 10 months later, his bosses fired him. Nor did I snooze blessedly because of any bravery or stoicism or fatalism on my part, but I slept well simply because of the realization that even after all of this, Rick Kaplan was still only the second or third craziest MSNBC executive I had ever worked for. Countdown has come to you from the studios of Olwen Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in the Sports Capsule Building in New York. Thanks for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown musical directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis and appears courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Larry David, and everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 771st day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.